0: The sequel continues. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with the Practical Parsha podcast. I hope you are well. And we are back for the continuation of the story from last week's podcast. And I hope you were able to sleep this week with the story. What's going to be with Benjamin? What's going to happen to the brothers? And we're going to get into that in just a bit. But before I do, I'd like to talk to you about something I'm involved in right now. I've talked about on this podcast how Judaism is very unique, that almost anything we do can be a mitzvah. That if we have the right intentions to the things that we do, the mundane acts, the physical acts, it becomes into a mitzvah. So it comes out from that, that if we eat food, if we eat it to serve God, it's like a mitzvah. If we take a vacation, but we do it in order to serve God better, we get a mitzvah. And when we take care of our health, we're commanded in the Torah to take care of our health as well, that the Torah gives us a commandment to watch ourselves and make sure what we do, what we're supposed to do, to do exercise, to eat the correct things, we get a mitzvah as well. About two years ago, I joined up in a program for rabbis to be more healthy, and I signed up for a marathon. I don't want to talk about it now, about my experiences, you definitely... You could listen to an episode on my other podcast where I talk about this, but the long and short story of it is is that I've never looked back, that I have started being more healthy and exercising regularly and just a great outlet, which I think has a lot of different emotional, physical, and spiritual components to it. This year, God willing, I'm going to be running in a marathon for the benefit of Olami. The marathon I'm running in is called Rabbis Can Run, where rabbis from across the country are going to be joining together in Florida for a race. Now, we aren't just showing up at the race. It's training and a program where it's supposed to encourage rabbis to be role models in their community to be more healthy and to have that exercise. And God willing, that will encourage others to live their lives in that way as well. Additionally, this race that we're running is for the benefit of Olami, which is a worldwide organization that helps support Jewish education and outreach. This year, I've signed myself up for a 13-mile marathon, a half marathon. Training has been intense, but it's been great. This past Sunday, I ran eight miles, and I still have a little bit to go to reach my fundraising goal. And if you could help me get to my goal, I would be so appreciative. The link to donate is available in the show notes. And whatever you can do, 10, 18, 100, 500, everything is appreciated. So if you want, we'll wait for you right here. Put me on pause. We'll be waiting for you to continue this episode right when you get back. So hit that pause button, click on that link, finish this mitzvah, and we'll continue right where we left off. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out and say hello, my email address is rabbishelomakon with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayigash. And we're closing in on the book of Genesis. Just to give a quick overview of the Parsha, the Parsha begins with the sequel, as I mentioned before. That last week, we know that Benjamin is being held hostage by Yosef, by Joseph. And now Judah, the leader of the brothers, Yehuda, steps forward and approaches Yosef to speak for all his brothers. And that's actually what the word Vayigash means. It means that he approached. He pleads to Joseph to take him, Yehuda, in, in exchange for his brother Benjamin, and take him as a slave instead of his brother Binyamin, Benjamin, Benjamin. Joseph, who has not revealed his identity to his brothers, just cannot hold out anymore. He can't hold back his emotions. He orders everybody out of the room. It's at that moment that he says the two most powerful words of this week's Parsha, which put everything into perspective for the brothers. He says, Ani Yosef. I am Joseph. The brothers are shocked. They're afraid. Maybe Yosef might want to take revenge on them. Yosef, Joseph reassures them that everything was part of God's master plan and there's no reason to be afraid. He draws them close. The brothers embrace and reconcile. He instructs them to bring their father Jacob, Yaakov, to Mitzrayim without delay. Paro, who hears about this story that has just happened, tells Yosef, to send the best animals and wagons to bring Yaakov and his family to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, giving them a place to settle. Yaakov is told that his son, Yosef, is still alive and is the ruler of Egypt. The spirit of Hashem is revived within him and he makes the journey to Mitzrayim. Joseph and Jacob, Yaakov and Yosef, they are reunited. And the family of Yaakov settles in the land of Goshen, which is a suburb of Mitzrayim of Egypt. Jacob is introduced to the Pharaoh, to Pharaoh, and he blesses him. The parsha concludes with the story of Yosef amassing tremendous amount of wealth for the land of Egypt by providing the food to the civilized world. This makes Egypt into a superpower. The first idea I wanted to share with you today focuses on this phrase of Yosef, Ani Yosef. What Joseph told the brothers after he revealed himself. There's a famous medrash that says on this psukim of Yosef revealing himself to the brothers, and the Pasuk says, and the verses say that when Yosef revealed himself to his brothers, <speaking in Hebrew> and the brothers were not able to answer because they were ashamed. They were totally struck. They were silenced. They, they could not speak. And the Medrash says on this, Amar Ebshimin ben Elazar. Ebshimin, the son of Elazar says, Oi miyoyim hadin, oy miyoyim He says, it's translated, Woe to us on the day of judgment and woe to us on the day of reproof. It sounds very strong. And the, the Medrash continues, Yosef ketanem shel He was the, he was one of the youngest of the brothers. And the brothers couldn't answer him after he revealed his identity. When when God comes and He gives tochacha, which is reproof to each and every person, how are we going to fear? How, all the more so, how are we going to feel? Now, at first glance. This statement of the Medrash seems to be fire and brimstone. Seems to be very strong. Right? Repent now. That's what it seems like. And on a deeper level, there's a question that could be asked here. Because when when Yosef revealed himself to the brothers, did he give them reproof? Did he criticize them? Did he say, did he give them musar? Which is, did he give them, did he try to, Give them instruction to to be better. The answer is no. All he said was Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. So the question begs to be asked is why is the Medrash saying from here? Woe is to us on the day of judgment, and woe is to us on the day of reproof. There was no reproof here. It wasn't any strong words. He was just saying, I am Yosef. Why, why, why was it that the brothers were so shocked and couldn't speak even to the point where they couldn't even say anything? And Reb Chaim Shmulevitz explains in Sichos Musr a very important lesson when it comes to reproof, when it comes to Tochacha. When we think of reproof, Musr, which is to 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 give someone, to correct someone, we think of criticism, we think of Screaming, you know, being strong with somebody, telling them what they did wrong, pointing out their faults. That's how we view tochacha, reproof. And Rechaim Shmulevitz explains that's a misunderstanding. Real reproof is not necessarily when you're criticizing someone or you're being strong with them or you're giving to them over the head, but it's much deeper than that. It's when we have a recognition that we did something incorrect. That we have a realization that we could have been more than we are. We could have been greater than we are. It's not necessarily screaming, it's not yelling. It's a certain hakara, in Hebrew, which is like a recognition that I've been doing something and it's incorrect. It's that moment, that aha moment, where it clicks and you have that recognition. And Yosef, he didn't scream at his brothers. He just said, Ani Yosef. I am Yosef. I am Yosef, your brother, who you sold. That's what he was trying to make them recognize. I am Yosef, your brother, that you sent down to Egypt. I am Yosef, your brother, that had these dreams which you tried to get rid of and tried to not to prevent from happening. And he was able. For them to recognize their mistake at that moment, how they had misread the situation and made a mistake in their judgment. And therefore, they were shocked. All their rationalizations, all their calculations. They thought that they were doing the right thing. And according to many commentaries, they thought they were doing a mitzvah by selling Yosef. Two words made them have the realization that they were incorrect. And um, the Midrash that's telling us adin, that woe is to us on the day of judgment and woe is to us on the day of reproof is really a recognition for us on two levels. Because when we do things, we many times have rationalizations why we are doing something or not doing something. Sometimes they're correct and sometimes it's not so correct. You know, we, we say we shouldn't go here, we should go we should do this. And we're constantly making those decisions. We have to remember that we need to be true to ourselves when we make those decisions, because God willing, after a hundred and twenty, when we get to the next world, the the reproof that we're going to have is not the criticism, is not the you know, the strong words, but rather it's going to be the mistakes that we made, the rationalizations that we made to ourselves, the potential that we could have been. Because when a person recognizes their mistakes, they see how they could have been better and how much more of a better life they could have lived. And that's what caused the embarrassment of the brothers. That's what caused them that they were not able to speak because they saw clearly how bad of an error they had made given it was, a, it was God's plan, but the brothers were still shocked. And that's what Joseph did. Joseph had to reassure them that this was God's plan and he was not upset at them. The, the measures is teaching us this important lesson that we have to be careful with our rationalizations and because we always want to be the most we could be. We don't want to look back afterwards and see a life that we could have been even better, a life lived even to a higher level than before. There's a famous story that they say over from the Nitziv, from Rabbi Neftali Tzvi Berlin, who was the Rosh Hashiva of the great Volashaner Yeshiva, which is considered the mother of all Yeshivas. And he was a great scholar who who wrote the Hamik Davar, which was a commentary on the Torah, as well as other works. And he was a great scholar. And and the story goes, is that when he completed his magnum opus, the Hamik Davar which is the commentary on the Chumash, on the the Torah, he was very happy and celebrated tremendously. And they asked him, why are you extremely happy about this accomplishment? What is it? And he said the following, and he told the crowd this story, that when he was a child, he was a troublemaker. He was somebody who didn't want to learn, and his parents tried to send him to tutors and to have him extra help, but to no avail. He was always acting out, running around, playing tricks, and they couldn't get him to be more serious about his studies. And it came to a point where his parents felt that it would be more worthwhile for their son to learn a trade, such as tailoring, and at least he would be living an honest living. He wouldn't be a thief if he wouldn't know what to do. And the netziv, as a young child, heard his parents having that conversation. And at that point, he took it to heart and changed his ways, became more serious about his learning and became into the great netziv. And he was saying, now that I've completed this work, the Dover, when I come up to Shemayim, when I come up to heaven, if I would have never become a Torah scholar, when I got up there, they would say, where is the Dover? Where is it? And the, the loss of potential, the loss of that masterpiece would be lost to the Jewish people. But now that I've completed it, I am extra happy, and this is a very important lesson for ourselves, that, you know, we all want to maximize our potentials, and one of the ways that we do that is trying to be honest with ourselves when we're making those decisions, especially when it comes to our spiritual lives. Should I learn? Should I daven? Should I do this mitzvah? Granted, there are situations where we can't, you know, do the learning for whatever reason, or we're not able to do that mitzvah right now, but We have to make sure we're being true to ourselves when we make our decisions and not just trying to flub our way through the easiest way possible. The second aspect of this Midrash, which I believe is very important to bring out, is the idea of constructive criticism or giving criticism. You know, like I mentioned before, we think that if we want to straighten someone out, we need to be strong. We have to be critical. And we see from Yosef, that sometimes when you need to make people realize what they did wrong, it's not necessarily being critical, but it's using the correct words. And I feel that this is a lesson that we should take for ourselves when we deal with others. We all have different relationships with our spouses, with our family, with our children, with our friends, with our employer, with our employees. And sometimes it's needed to be critical to help someone realize they did something wrong or to, to make a point to, to, to give some constructive criticism. And we have to remember that there's ways of doing things and there's ways of doing things. And from Yosef, we see that it's not necessarily being strong and being critical, but many times if we think about a situation and we think about the different people that we have relationships with and their personal you know, bend and how they are and how they react to things, there's different ways how we can get the message through without being too strong, without hurting someone, and to do it in the right way. The second idea I wanted to share with you today is the encounter between Paro and Yaakov. The Torah reads, Vayomer Paro el, el- Yaakov, Kama yemei shnei chayacha. Paro asked Yaakov a question. Paro said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? Vayomer Yaakov, El Paro. And Yaakov said to Paro, The days of the years of my sojourns have been a hundred and thirty years. Few and bad have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not reached the lifespans of my forefathers in the days of their sojourns. And it always bothered me that when Yaakov Avinu, when Jacob approaches Paro, he seems to be complaining to him. He seems to be saying that life's not good. I've had a bad life. I've had a hard life. You know, obviously, when we speak about our forefathers, we're talking about the greatest of the great, and we can't even imagine their lofty levels. But at the same time, we see that Yaakov was punished for saying those words, and the, the Das Dassekanim, which is a compilation from the Balatosus, cites on this pasuk on this verse from that medrash, and he cites from the medrash as follows: Bisha she'amar Yaakov ma'at Veroam, at the time that Yaakov Avina the Jacob said, the years of my life are short and bad. Amar lo God said. I saved you from Esav and from Laban. I gave you back your daughter Dinah. Gam Yosef and also Joseph. He came back to you. You were reunited with him. And now yeah, you're complaining about your life that's been short and and bad. Chayecha—it's a—it's a lot—it's a, a wording of 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 a swearing. Sheminyan hatevos sheyesh min vayomer abimei migurai kach yechzru mishnei that the amount of the the numerical value of the words that you said in that taparo will be deducted from your life. Shelo tichya kechayitzchak avicha and you will not live as long as your father. Sharei yitzchak chay kaf pey shana because yitzchak lived. 180 years for Yaakov And Yaakov only lived 147 years. And according to the commentaries, Yaakov was actually trying to explain to Paro why he looked so old. That because of all the stress and the agony that he'd gone through, he looked extremely aged. And Rabbi Twersky, on his commentary to Chumash explains that the reason why Yaakov was held accountable for his statement was because he was looking back on the past and complaining. A person normally, when they're in a, a hard situation, they are allowed to say, this is hard, this is very challenging. But once the, the situation has passed and you're over it, you still can't go back on that, on that and say that life is bad. Yaakov, Jacob... Even though he had been separated from Joseph for 22 years, he was reunited together with him now. And the, there was a reason. He saw clearly the, what the reason was why he had to go through that. And yet he still said that he had a short and bad life. And that's why he, he wasn't currently in distress, but yet he was still complaining. And obviously a tzaddik, a great righteous person, like the forefathers, like Yaakov, are held to our higher standard. And he was held culpable for saying that those words. And the idea that we should take from this is that when it comes to things that come to us in life, you know, many times we go through a situation and when we come out the other side, we recognize the benefit of what we came out through. I'm not taking away from the challenge that you faced. And many times we don't see, but we know Everything God does for us is for our benefit. And that should be our mindset. Obviously, there's a certain leeway that a person has when they're in a situation that they could say it's hard. You're allowed to say it's challenging. But when we come out of a situation, we come through it, and God willing, we come through it strong and better. So at that point, we need to work hard and tell ourselves, "gam zulatova" that this is also for the good. The distress of the past is gone. And now... We're in the present, going into the future. And that's something we should be able to take with us in our lives, in our days, and everything we do. With that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just would like to reach out again, my email address is rabbishlomakom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.